What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and today's guest is on fire. Stuart Brower is the owner of What the Fuck Gym Talk. That's WTF Gym Talk. And yeah, you might hear one or two curse words on this episode. Um, what Stu does is he is a consultant service for gyms. I believe mostly for what he calls micro gyms, but I think that that's mostly going to be CrossFit gyms. But what, what Stu does that I haven't seen anybody else do, and the reason why I really wanted to have him on is this guy gives it to you straight, straight. Having been a Globo gym salesperson, a personal trainer, a manager in a Globo gym, he understands what it means to run a facility that not just is meant to get people fit, but also is meant to make money so you can continue to get people fit. And this episode for gym owners is an absolute can't miss. For coaches who have ambitions of being a gym owner, this is an absolute cannot miss episode. If you are somebody who has no ambition of owning a gym, has no ambition of being a coach, you're just driving to school where you're going to coach or take classes, or excuse me, you're going to be a teacher or take classes. The reason why this episode is still valuable for you is because you're going to be able to hear the other side of what you're experiencing every single day, right? Your gym owner, most likely, I'm not suggesting all gym owners go through this, but most gym owners are struggling with figuring out exactly how they're going to take what they're doing now and turn it into something that they can potentially one day walk away from. Even if they're not thinking about that, they need to start thinking about that. Because the fact of the matter is that when you're 40 years old and you're done coaching CrossFit classes every day because you just can't anymore, what happens is you go to sell your gym to somebody and unfortunately, they're going to turn to you and say, wait a minute, you're the person who coaches every single class in the gym. I'm essentially buying you, but you're leaving. That doesn't work. Stu is out there on the road teaching people how to make sure that never happens to them. And it's valuable to you if you're a listener who's not a gym owner, again, because it gives you the perspective of what it's like to be a gym owner, what it's like to be a coach, and also what it's like, what you should be able to expect as a gym member. A professional gym is doing things differently than another gym is. And you want to know that the gym that you're going to is on the path to being coming professional or is already professional themselves. I really enjoyed this episode. It's mostly Stu talking at me. Um, it's, it's kind of the way that he communicates and I jive with that. For some of you guys, this might be a little bit brash, but uh, I love it. And if you can handle some truth, some logic and some rationality, then, then you should listen to this episode. Here we go. Oh, wait, before we, here we go, make sure that you go to the podcast on iTunes and like it, please. Give us some stars. Take five of them if you can spare them. Five stars and a little comment would be outstanding. Thanks, guys. Here we go. All right, so I'm excited to have you on, Stu. Stu or Stuart, what do you like better? You know what, Stu works, uh, you know, I, on my Facebook page, my one back in college, I kept, because it's like, you know, Facebook's like cloud for photos. It's Stu Brower, but it's on lockdown from the fucking world, because I don't need anybody <laughs> to see that, that, those five years of my life. Um, but yeah, Stu, Stuart, whatever's clever. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm excited to have you on, because as an affiliate owner, I've, I've owned, I'm now on my third gym. Right. Okay. The, the first gym that I owned uh, got wiped out during Hurricane Sandy. And we were in the process of opening our second one to expand when the first one got wiped out. Um, yeah. 
And then so it was this like, whole time right now is like you, you're you're feeling it now with all the shit going on with oh dude we, Houston and fucking Florida and the Keys and were, all that. There was a gym down in Houston that um raised some money for us during Sandy who we didn't know. Um, so when this all happened, they got buried. Awesome. So we're now, I think we raised uh, somewhere around 1500 bucks for them that's from our awesome. membership. So that's awesome, man. It's, you know, it's yes, it hits home for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I'm this sure. time of year, every year, it's like September, October, you're like, all right, please don't get a hurricane again. Even yeah. though we get one every year, it's like, please don't flood the city. <laughs> that would be yeah. great. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested in talking to you because I had the first gym that we ended up not needing to reopen. The membership just wasn't there anymore for us. Um, and then we expanded to our better location, which is now open, running, and, and doing well. And then we had another location that I opened in a in a sports complex, I guess you would call it. And I was too hands-off with that one, and it wasn't successful. Um, and I've learned a lot of good lessons through both success and failure. So I'm really interested to talk to you about some of the things that you've been able to help people with. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Would you mind just for the audience who's listening? Um, I've already told them on the intro that, you know, you own What the Fuck Gym Talk, that you do gym consultancy. But um, it would be great to hear from you why you are somebody who is why I'm worth to do that. listening to. Why, yeah, why yeah, I Exactly. Yeah. I, I do. I think that's a huge part, right? You got to, you got to hear someone's resume. Like why the fuck should I believe this guy? Right. Yeah. Um, so I got into fitness really early on when I was about 15 years old, um, you know, skinny and redhead. And I just, it, you know, that's not a good winning combination for getting laid in high school. So I <laughs> lived in the weight room. Right. So I, I, you know, I was the nerd strength and conditioning and, you know, I would study like German volume training and I, you know, the bodybuilding realm, the Mel Sifts and the, just everything on the, in the, you know, from an academia perspective, I get my hands on. Went to university, got my degree in exercise physiology, thought I wanted to do physical therapy, did an internship with the Cleveland Clinic, sports rehab, realized I couldn't handle working with broken athletes. Like here's this poor kid, thought he was going to go to the, you know, the minors or major league and <laughs> tore out his RC and he's fucking done, you know, and he, and he just, I couldn't, that was not, uh, the environment for me. So I decided I'm like, you know what? I want to go into strength and conditioning. I thought I wanted to do university, started doing it um, in my university, but then you're the first guy on the fucking chopping block when it comes time to when the head coach gets fired. Oh, like yeah. you're, you know, so that, that, you know, I, I changed that around. And then in 05, 06, I find CrossFit and I'm like, damn, this is fucking, I was doing it while doing an internship through the NSCA when I was uh, studying for my CSCS. <laughs> So I find this thing, I'm doing CrossFit, I take it back to my university and I convince the AD to let me do strength conditioning for the men's wrestling team. And then he let me mess around with the women's softball team. Hold on, did you, did you, when you said you wanted to do conditioning for the men's wrestling team, did you charge him for it? Or was that one of those things where you were like, I'm going to prove that this works? No, so this is why the Stoop Hour Facebook account is on lockdown. I had about 300 hours of community service due because I was found unfit for the surrounding campus community. I was... (laughs) I was a hellion in college. I, I had a good time. Let's say the five years I was in college, I had a really good fucking time. Better than seven. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, so anyway, I had to do that to work off community service hours, but it was a great, you know, double it. You know, I got experience. I got to, you know, I had 40 athletes and just me. And I'd be honest with you, the rest of the strength and conditioning professionals there were absolutely. And I, this is just me. I'm just self-taught. Um, self-experimented on, um, and I'm learning this CrossFit thing and I'm kind of playing in that space. And, and, uh, you know, I would get laughed out of the weight room when I would go in and, you know, and clean or snatch or, or coach, you know, some certain movements anyway. So I progressed out of there. I love this CrossFit thing. I liked what it was. I saw an opportunity to open up my own gym, which is what I wanted to do. 
and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I worked for a couple uh, local small affiliates and I looked around. I'm like, yep, I can do this. And I think I can do it better than what I'm seeing being done but I've never run a business. I've never even taken a business class in my life. I don't know, Dick, who's doing it better right now? The Globo Gym. Even though you might not like the the business um, ethics behind them, you know, I want the paid in full of the member who never comes in, that kind of concept. Mm -hmm. You cannot deny that if you want to learn sales, um, development of staff, how to hire, how to fire, how to work within budgets. You know, I had sales, very aggressive sales quotas we had to hit. we had, to, we had to regulate our payroll budget, things like that. So I knew that's where I needed to go. So I went and spent two years in Globo Gym Land. And I worked up, excuse me, from a lowly personal trainer to an assistant training director to a trainer. And next thing you know, I'm VP, whatever the fuck that means, of personal training for a company out here in Charlotte, North Carolina. They had gyms in Kentucky, Elizabethtown, Lexington, Louisville. And then um, and here they opened one in a flagship uh, store in Charlotte. So I'm out here. I'm doing my Globo Gym thing, always knowing that this was a means to end. Like I was making great money. It was a commission, commission-based gig. I was really good at my job. Um, but I knew I wanted to start my own thing. And that's what I did. I started a mobile personal training company on the side. So I had a 40-hour you know, a week gig. And then I started this mobile personal training company. That thing took off. It was killing it. I knew the model needed to go group. So I converted them to a boot camp. The boot camp did well. And then I moved into a brick and mortar. That brick and mortar became CrossFit South End. At the time, I just called the ESC Fitness. Um, and then that was facility one. Then I moved in my second facility. I, you know, I outgrew the first one. And then uh, I started planning the, what, you know, my takeover. I purchased the building, I purchased property and land here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I rebranded the urban movement. Um, I've got a, you know, half an acre with a, you know, 11,000 square foot building sitting on it. I got a bunch of subtenants in here, coffee shop, Wi-Fi lounge, co-op working space. We got spin studio, uh, boot camp. I got, you know, 500 square feet upstairs for bodywork professionals. It's uh, and so this is kind of my, this is kind of my end product. Now, during this time when I was doing, you know, building this out, this was a 24 month project, creating this business or creating this building, buying it and everything. I started this, what the fuck gym talk thing, because because you had nothing looked, else going on. You, you, you didn't have yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> right? It, I got married. I just had a kid. I mean, it was a busy time. Um, but the real reason I did it is I looked around at the affiliate space and I looked at the guys that were there to helping. And I mean, like, and, and I don't mind saying names. But like, I looked at guys like Chris Cooper and I was like, that dude is smart as fuck. I like him, you know? And I saw the guys, I saw Kalipa, you know, helping out. I saw the, you know, the JP from Brick and these guys are lending business advice. But I... My story is very much, I started as a boot camp with like $600 of Craigslist equipment. I mean, in a mobile personal training thing before that, and then grew it into what I consider like this American dream for every CrossFit affiliate owner. They would love to purchase their own building, have viable tenant income, have a very successful gym, be doing well, so well that they can walk away from it and start a consulting company to help other gym owners kind of follow that dream. And, um, that story I, I thought was really palatable. I like being on video. I like telling my story. I like talking. Um, I've always, you know, if I wasn't doing gym stuff, I'd want to be in some kind. I was, I thought I wanted to be a stand-up comedian when I was a kid. And so, you know, public speaking in the CrossFit class setting, as well as, you know, what I do now with my content, it just kind of fit. Um, and so I just started telling my story. I just started putting content out there, you know, every single fucking day, everything, video, picture, Instagram. And, and you know, and now we're sitting about 26 months later. And now this is literally probably my, this is my full-time gig pretty much is the, what the fuck gym talk. I fly out on Sunday. I'll be speaking at the iron and mortar conference out in Seattle and then about a week later, I'm with uh, speaking with the three, two, one go summit with Kalipa and Ben Bergeron and Chris Spieler and all these other top dogs in the industry. Um, 
So it's been a lot of fun to, to grow this side hustle into more or less my full-time gig. Now the gym's always, you know, that's my baby. That's my thing, you know, but I've got a great team. I've got a phenomenal GM uh, and Isaac and, and, you know, I've got, a, I've got a good crew to run the business that allows me the opportunity in this to spread my energy and my scale my time as much as possible towards the consulting role. Well, what you just said, like, I mean, I guess you laid out some credibility, but but what you just said to end it, that was so kind of like nonchalant. And of course, for most gym owners, I think was absolutely mind blowing. I have a, I have a good GM. Like, well, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, because yeah. you consult with them, but how many gyms out there who are, who are doing this have a GM who's not themselves? Yeah. It's a lot of them have a head coach and what that head coach is generally an individual who more and more finally realizing you got to put them on salary. You've got to show them that there is opportunity at the end of the tunnel that they can grow with this business. A lot of them though, are just a head coach that's coaching the most classes. Right. And, you know, and maybe they've done it well and they're a W2 or maybe they're going to ride that line as a 1099 for as long as they can till the IRS nabs them. Um, but yeah, and not many, but we are, we are doing better. We're doing a lot better in the business aspect because honestly now, and you can, you can attest this. I would say the coaching for CrossFit has got a 10 X better than when I started in 2005. I used to, I'm outside. Of, I used to go to school outside of Columbus, Ohio. I would drive to the original rope fitness. This is before Grant Holmberg bought it. This is before they were known as an equipment company. I would go down there and we would put together workouts that were just asinine. Like literally my favorite rogue shirt. And I had it until it fucking disintegrated on the back. It said, well, that was stupid. Like we would literally come up with workouts that I would look at now and be like, you're a moron. What are you doing? But that it was just because we didn't know any better. We were just fucking with this thing. We were, we were in the lab playing with it. Now, you know, you had guys who hacked social media, hacked an iPhone like Kelly Starrett and created, you know, boom, you've got like literally every gym owner listening to this probably has a seminar or certification within 30 to 60 miles of them this weekend on Olympic weightlifting, on gymnastics, on mobility, on this, on that. So the coaching is put it in YouTube and you can get a ton better. We can listen to your podcast. They can go into and take a level three, you know, CrossFit certification. The coaching has gotten exceptionally better. The business side of this thing is slowly creeping up. Not as much as the coaching. I would say coaching is like at an, you know, a B plus, uh, an A in some places. And again, there's always outliers. I'd say the business side is still rocking a steady D plus or a C for mm. the majority, right? The aggregate. Um, but so it's what, getting but, better. So why do you think that is, right? Because to me, it's you can't have one without the other and be successful. Well, that's not. I, so I would argue against it. I would argue a startup CrossFit gym. That has dog shit coaching can run a very successful business. Do you want to know how I know that? Sure. Because there's 15,000 CrossFit gyms and there's no way they are all (laughs) fucking awesome. And we all right now, anyone listening to this can think of five CrossFit gyms that are dog shit fucking coaching. But so so when you, okay, I I understand where you're coming at with that. But what I'm asking is that's not sustainable. You can't. It's, it's, it's not sustainable, but remember in the 90% of your clientele coming in for, for a while, at least are going to be brand new to CrossFit. They don't know what they don't know. Sally walks in the door and has never done it before. She's not going to know good coaching from bad. <coughs> she doesn't have a phone and checked out another shop. Now, as CrossFit gets bigger and people have tried it out in different places, 
um, you will. Like co- good coaching is is easily identifiable from anyone who transplants from one state to another and knows what good coaching is, is so on and so forth. And I think that will continue to be a distinguishing marker. However, you can get away. There are plenty of gyms that have been in business three, five, seven years that are not quality coaches. They just, the membership might not know any better. No one's come into the market that's shown, you know, that's kind of really challenged them in that aspect. So while I think at the end of the day, I I agree with Glassman's original statement, good training will always chase out bad. I believe that a hundred percent, you know, and um, it it just, I think it's a longer timeline because some people don't know. I have people drop it in my gym all the time. I'm in Charlotte, very transient area. They're like, Oh my God, I love my gym. I've been there six years, literally the best coaches ever. And I'll have them in class and we'll be warming up. And I'm like, this dude moves like an, he's a kinesthetic moron. He's just, <laughs> I doesn't have a fucking clue. He doesn't know a squat from his asshole. And I'm just like, you've been in a gym CrossFit gym seven years and this is how you move. You don't have any hip issues. You have no movement range of motion issues. You just don't know any better. And it's really interesting to see that. But I mean, again, it's, there's plenty of business models out there that are, that are, not doing great on the service side, but people, you know, again, just don't know any better. And I think you see that a lot more, but we are getting better. Well, so, so, uh, so let me, yeah. can, I want to dive yeah. deeper into that with you because, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like CrossFit, especially because I, I have a very similar background to you, right? I, I went and got my first coaching job ever. I found the absolute worst gym I could possibly find global gym. Yeah. And I was like, this is back in 2008. And I was like, I'm going to coach there. Because I'm going to learn everything by coach yeah. there. What that meant was I worked the front desk. I cleaned the yeah. mirrors. I re I re I put the equipment back where it belongs, mop the floor, sign people up every once in a while. I get to do some personal training and maybe almost as often sell a gym bag full of steroids from underneath the desk. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And that wasn't, that wasn't for my own profit. That was for the profit of the gym. But yeah. so then I went from there and I went to Equinox and at Equinox, yeah. I, I became a yeah, full-time, very high end, very high end gym. Yeah. I know that brand very well. So I became a full-time coach for them in five and a half weeks, which they don't, which doesn't happen. People are, it takes them usually five, six months to get to be full-time personal training. And they offered me the position of personal training manager. But at that point I yeah. realized I'm leaving, I'm going to chiropractic school. Yeah. I'm too frustrated with people who are hurt and I don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, but so in those spaces, it's like, it, it's, it's almost taboo to say the cream will rise to the top. In those spaces, as you were alluding to earlier on, it's these are our numbers. This is what we have to hit. You have to make this many phone calls. You have to prospect this many clients. And that's how you're going to grow your, your business. In CrossFit, the, the, the vernacular out there is if you just do a great job, your gym will grow. And yeah. I think that there's some truth to that, but largely I think it's bullshit. I agree. I'd agree hundred um, percent. Yeah, this whole, the chasing, you know, uh, the blind relentless pursuit of excellence, right? That was a phrase coined by Glassman. And I believe that's true. But, I, but again, I, my phrase and the way I put it is you can have all the passion in the world, change lives, be a phenomenal coach. This is what I would do. Like coaching is something I would do for free. Like if I, if I, if I lost everything or if I became a millionaire, you know, I won the lottery, I would still coach people for free. I would just, I enjoy coaching. It's what I love to do. And, but that passion will only carry you so far. If I have a business, passion doesn't, passion doesn't require profit. Your fucking business does require profit. And my favorite is the airplane one. And again, I, I just, I love quoting Glassman. I think the dude's a fucking, probably still one of the most captivating speakers. I think that's out there. I listen to his shit constantly. Airplanes. The goal of an airliner is not to burn jet fuel. That is not the goal. That's not why airliners exist, but if the airliners exist to get people safely from point A to point B comfortably, at a convenient rate, 
you know, and get them there on time. That's why they exist. In order to do that shit, they have to burn a ton of jet fuel. Businesses, my gym, your gym, our goal, we didn't get into it to make money. That's not why I got into this thing. I got in it because I enjoy fitness and it's just the one, it's just who, it's just the one thing I've got. I don't know shit about anything else. I know a ton about coaching. I know a ton about fitness. I know a ton about this industry. And though it sets my passion, I need money to continue to pursue that passion. I need money to keep the gym doors open. I need money to continue to buy equipment and keep the AC going and all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, you're right. Passion and all this and being a phenomenal coach and chasing excellence in those virtues is great. I need P I need more gym owners to chase excellence in sales development, customer service, marketing, you've got the coaching to squat down. Like that's, that's again, like that's where I think the coaching part you've got down or at least good enough. You need to spend some energy and time and effort into the business side of this thing. Do you own a gym or do you own an actual motherfucking business? Well, so the question I would ask you is, you know, and for people who are going to listen to this, who are not gym owners or who are right sure. now are planning to like check out, yeah, or, whoever, you know, the, yeah. the, John on his way to work, who's a teacher, yep. you know, but goes to CrossFit um, or, or works out. It doesn't matter. Plays baseball. This is valuable for you guys. What I'm going to ask you next is valuable to them also, because I think that what's overlooked is that we're all entrepreneurs of ourselves in a given basis, whether you're the guy who teaches a class, right? Or, or you're the person who mops a floor or you're the person who owns a gym. You have to sell yourself every second of every day to somebody. Yeah. Correct. Um, so, so this applies to that, I believe as well. And the question that I'm asking you is how does a gym then, if not by having great coaching, because if we establish that that is, we're going to, we're going to call that a must. It's, it's, it's put it there. It sure. needs to exist without that. The rest of the stuff is, is fleeting. Um, but if you have the great coaching, what do they then do to build themselves out? Right? Because we see clinicians who are phenomenal. I have some friends who are outstanding practitioners that nobody knows about. Yeah. Nobody. Cause they should have probably stayed as practitioners. There are great coaches that open up gyms that should have stayed as a coach. They should have found the right gym, a successful gym that was doing the things. They should have gone, you know, find a gym that's got W-2 salary employees and you can actually have a future and, and should have stayed a coach. Just because you're a great coach doesn't make you a great business owner, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that is, I think, I think when you kind of go into this self-auditing and here's the this is where, unfortunately, in the CrossFit industry and the, the micro gym industry, as I call it, the self-auditing happens a little too late because everyone, it goes like this. They are in the, they are in love with CrossFit. I host level ones and level two certifications at our gym all the time. And you see the individuals come in here and what are the first thing they, they look around here and they look at my gym and they're like, oh my God, this is awesome. How many members are they asking me all these questions? And I'm like, let me ask you something. Why are you taking your level one this weekend? And like, well, I want to open up a gym. I'm telling you, that's like 40 to 60% of them. It's sure. a crazy number of them, right? They fell in love with something and they're not, and I think more or less it's because they're not in love with the thing they're doing, whatever it is, they're nine to five, whatever their current daily day to day, they're not in love with. They find something they actually love doing. They think about, and they're in this honeymoon phase and they jump into, it's like when you first start dating a chick and it's awesome for like this first six months. And then it's like, then you hit hard times. And then if you could make that shit last, you get married and all that gym owners get married way too fucking early. They jump into this business thing. Cause again, the barrier to entry is so fucking low. Spend a grand, go get an L1, apply for affiliate, 
get an affiliate. There's a timeline there. And then again, you can open up a gym with $30,000. I mean, there was no, I mean, when I wanted to do this back in the day, like gold's gym franchise, I'd have to have liquid of $2,000, $200,000 to fucking do that. There's no way. And the barrier is so low, anyone can play it. But the risk is also low too. Like what's the worst case scenario? You open your gym, you went out of business in three years. You lost some money. You made some people fit. You made, you know, you, you didn't do, you didn't make as many people fit as obvious as you wanted to. And you, you pack up your shit, you take the hell and go home. I, I mean, like, whereas I see a ton of gyms are, are going to fail and are failing, a ton of them are doing well and we're doing better collectively, but where they can get better. It's not on the coaching. It's, you know, like, for example, I've got gym owners struggling financially. They took the time out to go to fucking Madison to watch the games but they can't spend the time to go to a business conference or whatever. I mean, like, again, it's, I don't like, I don't like having that argument because just cause I see value in something doesn't mean someone else does. And, and the perspective is different, but where gym owners after the coaching solid, it can be getting audited as to what you suck at running at what, what aspects of your business need work, you know? And for all of them, it's most people, I think it's a lot of it's storytelling well, so, yeah. how, so how do they grow, right? I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're a business and yeah. whether, whether you're a gym or a janitor, it really doesn't matter because you want more. Everybody, if, if you ask somebody, do you have enough? Their answer is usually going to be, no, I want more. Sure. Right. Um, of something, not necessarily money, but of something. So how does a gym that's doing everything right inside, they're, they're, they're focusing on managing their membership where they're, the people there are more important than the people who haven't come yet right? They are coaching extremely well. People are not getting hurt at the rate that they're getting hurt down the block. How do they grow? Do they, do, do they, do they start buying ads? You know, what, what do you, what do you start recommending to people? Most, uh, nine, I'd say nine out of 10 time at the internal economics are never correct. The internal economics in the CrossFit industry are fucking horrible. If you looked at as many numbers and I get P and L's from gym owners every single day. And this is before, this is like my, my, my introduction conversation with them. And I see their P and L they are, there's 45% of the gym that's paying a grandfathered in rate, some bullshit fucking rate than when they opened. Right. Even though the gym owner every single year gets charged more in insurance because he has more members, his equipment inventory goes up because he has more members. His payroll goes up because he has more members, his marketing dollars, his activity, all this stuff goes up. But for whatever reason, because Sally showed up on day one and helped me paint the wall, I feel this emotional attachment. That's one thing gym owners in CrossFit land are really bad at way too fucking emotional versus rational with their business. Cause again, they jumped into it in the honeymoon phase of their CrossFit experience. Grassroots, awesome. I love it. And again, it just there's a there's some blinders that I'd love to put on most gym owners. Internal economics are number one. Most gym owners' businesses are sick internally. Don't even worry about getting one more member back in your in your door until you're you have a successful PL of what you have going on. You tell me you own a fitness facility, a professional fitness facility, a gym, a studio, a micro gym, and you don't have private coaching or personal training, I'd laugh you out of the fucking room. Do you know how many gym owners ran to the CrossFit Gold Rush? Group, group, group. And now how many phone calls I get and emails and Skype calls I take where someone is like, dude, I realize I listened to your video and I only have one vertical of income that's membership. I live and die by cancellations and new sales. I have zero other verticals of income. I don't sell any private coaching. I don't sell any nutritional coaching. I don't have any independent, you know, program design. I don't have any subtenants like a physical therapist or a Cairo running space for me. I'm not really a business owner. I'm running a subscription based model and that's it. That's all I've got. 
I think, it, you know, for business owner, you want to grow, it's generally internal, internal financial metrics. Number one, I think is the easiest layup that doesn't really give any value to anyone who's on the call. So I want to go beyond that. No, but, I, but, but, but it does, it yeah. gives value because what you're saying is the value is already there. Yeah. You're just, well, you're just not, that, you're not seeing you're not it. charging for it. Correct. I don't think you charge for it. And again, it's because most gym owners are not sale. You mentioned in the very beginning, whether you're the janitor, you're a gym owner, you're a, you're a, you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales. And if you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales, bottom mm-hmm. line. I don't care whether you're hooking on the corner, you work at IHOP or you own a gym, you're in sales. Everyone is in sales to some degree. Somebody walks in your gym to try it out. You're both in sales. They're either going to sell you on the bullshit reason why they're not joining your gym or you're <laughs> going to sell them. Someone gets closed. It just depends what end of the fucking conversation you're on. So, and when you start looking at that, it just little things will change a gym owner's perspective like this, right? My first call with someone, I'll ask them what their average lifetime client value of a member is. And they've got no idea. So we sit down and we go over it and we look at their most recent cancellation. Who canceled? Her name was Sally. How long was she with you? 26 months. Why'd you cancel? Move to Colorado. Okay. Go ahead and run the report. How much money, every bottle of water, every membership due, every t-shirt, every personal training session she ever bought from you ever during that 26 months? How much is that? Do-do-do-do. Oh man, that was $10,400. Yup. That means the next time a consultation schedules and you want to leave early to go fucking watch the football game with your buddies, realize that next person walking in the door could be worth fucking over $10,000 to you. And you put a different lens on you. You attack that consultation with a little more tenacity and you value every email, every phone call, every face. You know how many gym owners I almost have to reach the screen and strangle? I'm like, man, I just hate when people hit me up on Facebook or uh, instant messenger DM. Why can't they just email me? Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. How, how inconvenient for them to contact you about possibly <laughs> in your fucking shop and you're going to complain about the vehicle of how which they communicated with you, you lazy motherfucker. Like it drives me nuts to the absolute nth degree. Um, but no, I, I think you're right. I think the packaging inside, even if it's good, you just got to look back at it and be, you know, and here's the thing is if you're not charging, I promise your coaches aren't happy. That's like the next thing I would look to in, in as far as advancing the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, you know, once you fix your internal metrics, Who's going to replace you? I made a video. I went to New York City. Me and my wife just took off. We did like a week trip to New York City just to hang out and shoot the shit, you know, whatever, just to leave for a vacation. And I shot this video in New York City that, you know, um, within my ecosystem went went pretty viral. And, and it was just me just sitting there talking. I just, you know, I had a couple of gym owners calling me like, man, I wish I could go on vacation. I, I wish. Saw, I saw, I saw yeah, the and, video. And, and, and that just it, just, it just blew me away. I gave my wife the phone. I was like, we got to shoot this right now. And how in the world are you ever ever going to walk away and not be handcuffed to your business without making mini versions of yourselves, without dumping all of your energy and even a vast majority of the money that you make into other people. I mean, I take a significant, like my, my profit margin, you know, and I'm completely cool talking about this, you know, my profit margin at, for my business at the gym business, I took a huge hit on my profit margin purposely, strategically, because we hired more coaches, I've got staff, we've got front desk, I've got all all this, right? So I can spend more time on my consulting. Huge hit, so I can walk away from it more. But even for a gym owner who doesn't have a side hustle to do that on, I still think your number one, not payroll expense, your number one investment needs to be your staff. If you don't have a ride or die, a co-pilot in the gym with you every day, and you're the best, let's say you're the best sales guy, you've sold all 100 of your members. You're the best coach, everyone loves your classes. You're the best at cleaning the gym. You're the best at posting the pictures on Facebook. You need a ride or die. You need a co-pilot, a yin to your yang in your building with you, in your office with you 
all day. Me and Isaac, we were in our old building for going on five years almost. We shared an office. And I'll tell you that right now, I cannot recommend it. I, 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 we have separate offices now. Like she's on the other side. She can hear all this right now. But we shared an office. Dude, if you don't think the development of her as it as she's one of the most fucking thug best GMs I've ever, ever had work for me, I've ever seen do the job. It rubbed off because we talked about everything. We were just right there side by side all day, side by side. You know, when gym owners go it alone. It's just them. Mm-hmm. And you, you trust me, there's no shortage of young green coaches who would love to be, Hey, I can make a professional wage working inside of a CrossFit gym. I'd love that. Well, so, so I think that uh, early on for us, right. I can tell you where, where our mind was at because I had a partner who is no longer my partner. Um, and my ambition was always, we need to be more corporate with, with personality, right? The idea of basically we need a business structure with a CrossFit feeling. Um, and that, that was what I wanted us to be. Um, but in the beginning, I think that a lot of coaches maybe are still there and gym owners are still there, even though they're not in the beginning anymore, it's three years, four years, five years for them, but they're still in the same place is how can I afford to hire somebody when I'm not paying myself enough right now? Again, number one, you fix your internal metrics. Number one. That's it. I literally, I do price. So my biggest line of work right now within consulting is price raises. So a ton of my content that's gone out is talk about how and when and why to do a price raise. I literally have gym owners when we flip that switch and do a price raise and we assume around a three to 7% cancellation on it, depending on certain variables and all this other shit, literally overnight, flip that switch, 2000, 4,000, 8,000 extra dollars sometimes per month, instantly at the flip of a switch. And you know what you did? You just brought everyone up to equal. Just everyone's paying the same shit. You actually are now a fair business owner. You're not giving one dude a discount again because he was happened to be at the right place at the right time when you signed up. Oh, but he's my founding member, my OG, Stuart. I don't want to raise his rates. You know what happens? Ask any gym owner who's been around three, four, five you know, years or more. How many of his founding members are still around? There's some that aren't there. And it's not because of any fault of the gym owner. That's just life. People fucking leave, dude. People move. They have kids. They they change it up. I want to go run marathons, whatever they do. And you, you, you know, you gave this dude a $50 a month, $70 a month discount for the last seven years. But he's taken up the same space and square footage. He uses the same amount of barbells. He requires the same amount of coaching. Do you give him any less coaching? Do you make him use the broken barbell in the corner? Is he only allowed to come to certain classes? Then why the fuck isn't he paying the same rate as everybody else? I'll ask Jim Barnes, when was the last time he did a price raise? And they'll be like, oh, last, last month. And then I'll, I'll look at the numbers. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, I changed the prices on the website. That's not a fucking price raise. That's, that's, that's changing the price. That's adjusting it for everyone new coming in. But again, so if you want to hire, I guarantee you more gym owners, if, if internal metrics are 100% perfect, and you're, if, let's say they're 100% perfect, everyone's paying and you can't pay, you can't hire a second person. There's something wrong. Again, so it depends on how long you've been open. What, 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 for people who don't understand, what are the internal yeah. metrics? Right. And, internal and, metrics, and when yeah. I say, when I say people who don't understand, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm learning a little bit right now as well. 100%, right? cool. so, so we, we, look, we have that same problem. Yep. In cool. The, so the, let me break it. Go ahead. I'm going to do a one-on-one. So internal metrics is ready to rock. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the first thing I want to look at is I want to see how many total members are in your gym. Everyone who's comped, your grandmother's friend who doesn't pay. I mean, anyone who's anyone who, who takes up space in your gym and shows up at all, whether they have a membership or they're comped or they're a coach's wife, everybody, I want to know how many total people. Okay. Now I want to know what is the total monthly TMR, the total monthly revenue. Every dollar that comes in the business, 
even your $20 from a t-shirt sale that you skimmed off the top and put in your pocket instead of depositing it like an actual <laughs> legit business, cut that shit out, by the way, everybody, knock that off. Because when you, I'll get the gym order because I'm like, man, Stu, I want to buy a building like you did. I'm like, yeah, but you've been fucking skimming $9,000 a year in retail sales in your pocket so you don't have to pay Uncle Sam. And now the bank looks at you and says your debt to income ratio is shit. You're not getting no fucking money from us. Go back and try again. Because mm-hmm. you wanted to make, save nine grand and you're just too lazy to take it to the bank. Again, because you weren't treating it like a business. It was your, you're treating it like your fucking clubhouse. So total monthly revenue is what I want to see. I want to see total monthly expenses so I get a P&L. And then I want to break down that into average client value. How much is every member worth? So take if you, so like this, if you made uh, $10,000 per month and you had 100 members, that's $100 per member. So that's the, that would be the average client value. And that total monthly revenue number is everything. Again, retail, personal training, everything. Um, so I break down that ACV. And then once I go ahead and I've got that ACV number, I want to go ahead. I want to look at things like sales of the past six months. I want to see things like cancellations in the past six months. I want to see what your payroll looks like. Um, I want to see what profit margins are. And these are numbers that gym owners, we all pay a lot of money for things like um, Zen Planner, MindBody, PushPress, Wattify. These report, these back office systems that create great reports. I would bet you if we were to, like, we could call and just randomly get on the affiliate finder and call 10 different gyms, half of them wouldn't know how to pull half these reports. It's just one of these things. Because again, when you're the guy doing it all in the beginning, it's so, so hard like to do everything and learn the reports. And we kind of push it off to the side. I was there. I was that guy. Right. I was a dude that didn't know my metrics in the very beginning because I was too busy wearing other hats. But as money comes in, I didn't keep it. I didn't go buy a brand new fucking pair of lifters. I didn't go take a vacation. I saved it. I kept it. I handed it off to the next coach. I handed it off to who, you know, who eventually became my GM. I put it back into the business. Every dollar you make, you should be putting back in that business, I think, for the first five to seven years. Like literally, you know? I mean, it's, it's constantly a reinvestment because we just, the numbers, you know, there's not a lot of CrossFit gyms with 10 W2s on staff. There's not a lot. And if you do, I'm really, pr- I'm pretty proud of you at that point. You've got a good number of coaches. You probably have front desk staff. You probably have some administrative salaried staff. Um, but that takes a while to grow. That doesn't happen overnight. So when you, the, to go back to your question, Hey man, how do I get that first employee? How do I pay for that person? It starts slow. Generally, I like to see within membership, you know, I'm sure you're in. Did you have, do you have any coaches that have come in through membership? So we, right now we have two W2 Great. Uh, coaches uh, and they, they, they coach the majority of our classes. And then we do have some part-time coaches who are, who fill in and who become the second coach in some classes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we found, if I look at my coaching staff right now, two, three of them were members. Um, yeah, neither, none of those, by the way, the W2s though. Okay. So regardless, and again, realistically, I'm not a CPA, I'm not a lawyer. So again, take this for what it is. Most gym owners can get away for a little bit of time, that 1099 thing for a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and then I highly recommend you, you go legit. But, um, I, I, am a big fan of finding your, your next, your number two, your GM, whatever from in-house. Cause the mm-hmm. hardest thing to teach somebody is culture. And again, when they've started from the bottom with you, they saw what you did as a, they, and again, when they can see you grow the business, they, they, they have um, confidence in you. You've built equity in them by them seeing you do. 
You know, it's one thing if someone comes in off the street, they have no idea who you are. Like, okay, you're going to come in, you're going to make this much, but then, you know, over the next three months, I'm going to pay you this much more of this. They're just, I mean, they're looking at you like, okay, cool. This is what you said. At least with someone who's seen you grow the business from zero members to 10, and then from 10 to 60, and from 60 to 120, has some faith that you're going to continue to grow, and they want to grow with you. And the culture thing is honestly the most irreplaceable. And they don't even have to be good coaches. I actually prefer them to be 100% green, zero experience whatsoever. So here's the next thing, right? One of the things that I find most difficult because we we have a we have a GM, but but he's he's not full time in the gym. So my business partner yep. in the office, we, we we have patients in our office. Yep. And the gym is is attached. Correct. So we, we are we are the co tenant that you're talking about paying a yep. part of the rent to my yep. other business. Um, and my partner Jeremy is essentially the GM of the gym, right? He's the one who's leading meetings. He's the one who's directing what reports we want to be pulled to make sure that we're doing things the right way. Um, he's the one who's educating the staff and mentoring the staff. Um, but he's not in the gym coaching classes. Now, I believe that the person who ultimately could be the GM who takes that role from him is in the gym coaching classes. The issue being that's the person who likes the most being in the gym coaching sure. classes. So they like, the, they like the technician work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that plays out for a while. There are some people that are just true bred technicians that they will never burn out coaching class. They just love it. Um, my experience is that every coach at a certain point, and generally you start seeing this around like that three year mark or whatever, if they're coaching on it, you know, three to five classes a day. Um, they're going to want a little more, especially as they get, it's also like, it, it, there's so many variables, age, marital status, like other shit. You'd probably have very few 32 year old married coaches with a two year old kid who are just happy coaching classes. You're hundred percent right. I have zero of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like your young green coaches, you get some young kid out of high school, out of college, whatever. Yes. Technician work for a while, but you need to be able to provide them a professional living. You need to be able to show, you know, again, personal training is that, you know, it, some gyms do commission sales and then some just, Hey, salary. And you're going to do these administrative duties as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and that's what we have, but I, I think that, um, I think you make a good point about the, the GM position, you know, yeah. and, and, and who yeah. it needs to be. And the idea that for me, at least the guy who I have in mind, he knows if he's listening to this, he knows I'm talking about him. He, yeah. he gives, he cares so much about my business, which, yeah. which is huge. Right. Yes. Um, and I would make him a GM if he wanted to be a GM. Yeah. And he'd be really, really good at it. The problem is he would rather be coaching. Cool. So, but he's young. I, he's, I, he's 28. Yeah. yeah. 28. I mean, he's, he's, he's young, but he's, he's getting to that age where people are going to start, want, you know, that age where you're going to start wanting to grow the fuck. Like you're going to want to take that next step. Sure. Here's the thing also with a coach. Another cliche CrossFit cry, hell hath no wrath, like a gym owner scorned because you were a coach of mine, you fucking left and you opened up <laughs> another gym, right? Like it's an incubator. Like I look at it like this, you know, I mean, now again, Isaac's on the, she's, she's on the lens where she's seen every single thing that goes into this. And I think if you handed her a hundred thousand dollars right now and told her, Hey, let's go start our own business. She'd tell you like, dude, fuck off. Um, I know, I, I know what that looks like and I'm not, I don't want to do that. Right. I've seen it. I'm. But for coaches who have not seen the PL, who have not had to deal with paying the bills and all that, they don't know that part yet. And that is where, when if you, for my advice for you and anyone listening who has a who has a, any business and they have a number two in mind, but they haven't made them a deep, deep member of the inner circle, do that now. Bring them into what I call numbers meetings. 
talk to them about, hey, this is how much money we made in total last month. This is how much money we spent. We lost $650. Yes, I still paid you for your work because you did good work or whatever, but the business lost money last month. That's happened. It's real. So now, now you know, when Isaac will, you know, let's say, uh, it, let's say it's a scheduling thing. Like, let's say we have like three classes going at once. And one of the classes is a bit smaller. She's like, hey, you know what I did? I rolled that third class into class number two and it saved us, you know, money on payroll today. I'm like, awesome. That's her thinking like an owner operator, right? Like she's thinking about the bottom line because she's involved in that. She's in that. She's in it. But most coaches aren't involved in that. They coach the class, they work out and they get the fuck out. Or maybe they help out and do some other things and programming and things like that. More gym owners, when you think you found your ride or die, you need to bring them and just put them boom right next to you and let them see all the, the shit that goes on with owning that business. I think it'll, A, if you convert them to that, that W2 or that GM position later on, it'll give them a much better perspective of it. But I also think it helps. Uh, I think it'll also help you keep them. And then they won't leave thinking that this is an easy thing to do and you just suck at it. <laughs> unless you do. Yeah. Well, yeah, unless you do 100%. And that's the thing is, I made a video on this the other day too. Uh, not everyone's going to make it, man. I'm not the guy like I first thing when I get in calls with people, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to lie. You just might not be cut out for this. I've got some, <laughs> you've been doing this for nine years and you're making $10,000 a month. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. And um, some of it can be fixed, but some of it can't be taught. And it, it's a good mix of the both. And I think you need to find GMs and, and, and head employees that are the yin to your yang. Mm -hmm. If you're not business savvy, you need to find someone who is. Maybe sometimes you need to get a partner. And other times you might, you might, you know what, this isn't for you. I, I, I highly suggest you find someone to buy it and you well, go do something else. So the video that you made that, that prompted me to reach out and be like, I want to have you on the podcast was, I mean, I've, I've followed your stuff and I like it. And it's not that I didn't want to have you on before, but this is when I actually, my thumbs went to typing. I want to have you on the show was about the dog. Right. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and now I think it's so much deeper than just the dog. And that's, that's what I want kind of you to talk to, right? Cause sure. I, I used to have, we used to have a gym dog. It was not my dog, but we had a gym dog and I loved the dog. And let's frame it up for everybody. It. Frame it up for everybody. Okay, so the, so the video that, that the video that you're right, the video that you posted was basically, I love my dog. You love your dog. I take my dog on walks, right? I feed my dog. I take it to the vet, all these things, but I don't bring my dog to the fucking gym because yeah. if your dog takes a piss or takes a shit on the floor and someone just did a burpee there or is about to do yeah. a burpee there or is next yeah. to the dog, that's not what they're paying for. They don't want dog fur on their shirt. They don't yeah. want to be breathing in dog lint. Yeah. And what about members who are allergic to dogs? Right. You have no idea. That's probably not on your intake form. Right. Day over. And you're not asking these people at the, you know, at the front desk. And the person who walks up to join and is maybe afraid of a dog and doesn't cool, feel comfortable 100%. when they show up. Even if you have the most fluffy, playful dog, yeah. they're not interested. So I, we used to have a dog in the gym it, I, when I had a business partner and I loved his dog. I hated having his dog at the gym. It was, yeah. there was dog hair all over the, whatever. I don't need yeah. to beat that dead horse. Right. But you were, that is something that happens in CrossFit on a regular basis. And I think the oh, gym owners think it's endearing to them and to yeah. their gym. Yeah. I, but the bigger yeah. th the bigger point that I, I want you to talk to is, what does it say about the kind of person? Yeah, it's not it's not about the dog, right? right? It's not about the dog. What it's about is realizing that this place you are charging, or you should be charging, a very professional wage. Let's call this two hundred dollars a month, or whatever it may be that you're charging. It is a professional wage. It's expensive. Our gym member, what we charge our members, rival car notes. 
like they literally rival what people pay for their, their car, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and to do so and, and be as haphazard and not like when every decision you make as a business owner, I am constantly thinking not about what I want, but how would this be viewed? How is my paying customer base, anyone that's currently here or anyone I hope to acquire in the future, what would they think about this? I ask my staff, I ask people, you know, and, and again, I, I put myself in the customer lens. You know, I get to, I get to talk with gym owners and see that I go to other gyms and look at that. And I, you know, you go to look at other micro gym models, uh, orange theory, iron tribe, climb flywheel, stuff like that. And you can go be, you can go be a customer for a, a day, go take a class somewhere else and just get behind the customer lens. But wearing that customer lens is where you're like, you know what? I love my dog. Just like you said, but I don't, I probably shouldn't have him here. Like, just like, again, this is a tough one. Cause I just had a kid. There are days I don't have a babysitter for my kid or my wife. She owns two business. She owns businesses too. We're busy. My, I'm not holding my kid while I coach. That's not going to happen. These people paid for a, an hour of professional service. They're going to get an hour uninterrupted. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to talk to a buddy who just walked in. I'm not going to have to worry about the dog and I'm not going to have my kid in my hand. These are, I'm, I'm, I'm theirs for one hour. And if I'm the, even if you're the, the owner like me and I'm not actually, you're not coaching that many classes, I'm making sure my staff is around and they are just servicing that person for an hour. I cannot have the odd, the distraction. It's a risk to reward thing. One, dude, I don't know if you look at that post recently, that thing's got like fucking, it's, it's probably one of my more viral videos. And I purposely, when I made that, I said into the camera, like, mm-hmm. actually, I was just looking to make an unpopular video tonight. Yeah, I like, like that. What happens with that? Dude, I got a guy who told us, he mentioned a story on there, like, Hey, everyone, there was a lot of people really unhappy with that post. And he goes, I literally worked at a gym where they were doing tire flips and the dog ran out and got crushed and killed by the tire. Oh shit, dude, that's some fucked up shit. If that happened to my dog, I'd be devastated. Uh But again, so, I mean, there's a risk to reward thing. Like, yes, is spot fluffy and would people love the dog? Yes. But no one's going to quit the gym if you don't bring him anymore. But if he (laughs) pisses by accident one time or someone who has a bad allergy, yes, they will. You have a high, high likelihood of them submitting a cancellation. Yeah. I have a friend who has an expression. He's like, he claims to have the cleanest gym you know, in east of the Mississippi, okay. um, and, and it's clean. But we tell him we're just as clean as he is, if, if not cleaner. But 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 either way, he's like, you don't clean the floor so that somebody will come up to you and say, "Wow, your floors are clean." Correct. You clean the floor so that nobody comes up to you and says, "Wow, your floors, your floors are, are dirty." A hundred percent. Yep. It's and again, and I love and again, I the. I have, I've talked about this a lot. You cannot sell CrossFit like it's 2008 anymore. In 2008, the gym dog worked. The gym dog worked. Right. Um, you know, the, the grungy warehouse worked, you know, the, the, you know, the rust and the grime and the, you know, the, the rough edginess of CrossFit was very palatable and very marketable, very marketable. I used to have a t-shirt that said CrossFit workouts will smoke you like cheap crack. I would wear that shit so proudly, right? It was an aggressive, we, all of our marketing efforts were super aggressive in the early days. Because in the beginning it was like, if I can shock you, I can start a conversation. 100%. And because it was just like, if you, I I compare CrossFit very much to kind of the X games and the growth of the X games was Mm -hmm. very, again, very organic, very grassroots, but it was just in your face. You know, um, and but now it's different. Now the micro gym is is grown into there's there's cleaner, more professional models doing it better than CrossFit gym affiliates on the whole. There might be fifteen thousand CrossFit affiliates. There might only be seven hundred Orange Theories and you know X amount of this or whatever it may be in Soul Cycles or whatever. But if you were to look at the business health of a lot of these, 
I think they're kicking our asses left and right. Oh, they're beating the crap out of us. Because they show up with some business acumen, some class, some branding and marketing, you know, uh, IQ. And I think CrossFit owners have a ton of the EQ. Like they love their members. They generally want to make changes in their lives. They have the dog there because people like it and it's fun. It's like, but again, it is a business. It is not a hobby. And there are certain things you need to draw the line on to keep a level of professionalism. And again, it's about not being as emotional and being more rational. I put, don't bring your dogs out. People lose their fucking minds. Like literally I got emails and direct messages of people telling me to rot and die in hell because I made this dog video. But really, if you, yeah, if you take them out for one second, though, and you just have them think about this, the rational side of them, and they'll maybe never admit it, you think about it like, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure how what I would do if the dog had an accident. Let's say it just got a sick tummy. The dog vomited or shit or pissed on the floor during a workout. Or let's just say it accidentally bit somebody. It had a fucking PTSD disorder and fucking mm-hmm. whatever. It just flipped out. Like when you play those scenarios, are those worth it? Like, no. you know. No, not at all. So, um, yeah, it's one of these things where, again, I think we're, I, I, and again, my biggest thing on this, I think we're doing better business-wise as a whole. I think there's still a lot of work still to do though. So let's go back to the increased membership rates thing, because this, yes. is, this is, this is, this to me speaks to all kinds of industries. Right? Yes. I mean, it's in my clinic. It's, it's everywhere because when, in my clinic, we, I started as $40 a visit. Yep. Right. And now we're 75 and the person who used to pay 40, now pays 75. Yep. Now, that being said, I have not been as diligent in the gym. I think correct. And 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 I don't know why. Right? It's it's, it's it's but but so but so what do you say to the owner, right? What do you say to me in a yep. situation where I'm like, look, I have about 200 members, right? We're bringing in a revenue that should be really really profitable on a month over month and yep. we were profitable, but it's nothing that I'm proud of, right? It's so what I call yeah. Go but, ahead. But 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 so it's how do you take the person who you know joined and they were paying one fifty a month and now the month to month membership is two ten, yep. but but they're still paying one fifty and say hey I need you to bring your membership rate up by thirty three percent. Yep. So check it. I do what I call the come to Jesus calculator with people, right? And I do this little math experiment, and um, I'm not real good at math, but this is pretty basic. So we'll see if everyone can follow along. I'll talk with the gym owner, you know, and, and I'll be talking like, how much do you want to take? Like, what do you want to make? And most of them, this is just a generic answer. I'd love to make $100,000, six figures. Like we're not greedy. Honestly, one thing with gym owners I've talked, they're not greedy. They don't want to be millionaires. They would love to make six figures, right? And that's completely, completely reasonable. Absolutely within the the realm of possibility. So great, $100,000. At a profit margin of around 30%, let's just call that maybe an average, right? That'd be a good number for you to be, you know, if you had a profit margin of 30%, I'd tell you you're doing a pretty good job as a, in a fitness industry, right? Could be better, could be worse, but 30%, that means you pro, you need to be bringing in around $360,000 a year, okay? Now, from 360, we can, we, we know by math, divide that by 12, you need around $30,000 per month. Mm-hmm. Then I go ahead and this is when I go back to those metrics and I look at their ACV. I'm like, okay, $30,000 per month and your average client value is $115. No big deal. You only need 260 fucking members to make that happen. And then, you know, 300 used to be like this number everyone chased. Like number, 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 number. Yeah. yeah, memberships. Yeah, everyone wanted that number. Dude, fuck that. It's not about the number of members. It's not about the, the width. It's about the depth. I'd rather have 150 members with an ACV of 225 than I would 
a, you know, 350 members paying, you know, $110 a month or whatever it is. So I do that little mathematical equation with them. And I do what I, I would call a Delta sheet. And my Delta sheet breaks. I take all their memberships. We put them in there. We look at every single member, what they're paying, how long they've been paying it, what their client value is. And generally, and that little math equation right there, and then I show them, okay, if you were to raise everybody by X percent, and we have different models we can run with this percent, that percent, whatever, and show them what would be in the bank account next month if we did this, holy fuck. People are just literally like, and that's generally, again, it's a come to Jesus calculator because I do that math and they're like, holy shit. And then we look at all what their ACB is and all their memberships and they're like, oh my God. Like literally, <laughs> I made an extra $2,000 a month, Stu, that would solve so many problems right now. So many problems. I could hire that GM right? Or I could get myself out of debt or my kids braces wouldn't cause me to have fucking hives and drink at night. Mm -hmm. Like shit like that, man, it's real, but it's, it's a numbers thing, but CrossFitters are just like, we want to go away from the numbers. And, and I'll tell you this, like I listen again, going back to Glassman and people listen to his serve, you know, Glassman talked in the beginning, he just collected, he just had people put checks in a drawer at his gym and his wife, Lauren would invoice him at the end of the month. Like it was very nonchalant, whatever. Like it wasn't very transactional. Mm. The relationships were more, you know, they had, they had more substance to them, but now we're, there's commodity, you know, high intensity exercises commoditized. We are in a, we are, the, we have a market, right? There are people, there's competition. It's 2018 coming up. I mean, like you, you can't be, you have to be transactional right now on a customer service level and all that. Yes. You're, we're still going to have the best the best connections with our clients because we're the micro gym model. We only need 150 to 250, depending on the size of your facility and this and that and a bunch of variables. But um, you got, at some point you got to realize if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense kind of scenario. I mean, that's literally, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And it, burnout is real. Burnout is real only when you're not making profit. If you're in a for-profit, if you own a gym and you are the most passionate gym owner, I promise you, give me 10 years of you doing this work every single day, day in and day out, making zero money for it. I promise you burn out. Mm -hmm. Burnout happens to everyone when the com when there's not some kind of reward, either emotional, but generally it comes out to an actual financial thing because you need that. You need that to provide for your family, your life, your whatever. So well, you, you burn out, I would say, because not, not even necessarily because you're not making the money in the gym, but because you have to make the money somewhere. So, so, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, I, now I'm doing this thing in the gym that I love, but I can't make any money doing this thing. Yeah. So I think it goes back to the, the jet fuel airliner conversation. Right. We had a couple seconds ago. Like it, that's exactly where it comes from. I don't do this for the money, but I need the money to do it. Yep. And if not, and I tell you now, you know, I've literally gotten this argument like face to face with gym owners. I'm like, nope, I don't need it. I'm like, all right, brother, let's go get your 501c or whatever the fuck uh, nonprofit classification. Let's start doing this for nonprofit today. No. You did this to start a business because you did probably the easy math. Well, it's also you know, why, why, you know, why are they talking to you if yeah, they don't need well, to so, it, Well, it's it, it just, I mean, just like anyone else who wants to give an opinion on the internet, you know, but um, it's, yeah, it's one of these things where I, I think we're going to get more. I think that's going to be the biggest thing you're going to see. I think over the next three to five years, we're going to see just a huge maturity level of business from gym owners it's going to be it's going to be different but why you know? is it, why is it taboo for someone to say hey yeah i want to make a living i would like to drive a nice car i would like to live in a house where i can pay my utilities and i would yeah. like to, to have a house by the way with a yard and yeah. maybe a pool and maybe you want to have a view what why why is it bad for somebody to want those things for, well, I don't know. I don't think it is bad. I don't but, think it but, is bad. So, but, I mean, like, but why in our industry is it so taboo for somebody to say, yes, I'm in this because I want to make money too? 
Because again, I think most of the people who have a CrossFit affiliation right now came in as a customer who is unhappy with their current customer service, their current customer experience. So they decided to become an owner when they had no business ever. Their DNA subset wasn't right. Their experience wasn't right. Their background wasn't right to become an owner. And now they're in it, but they're still, even when they're in it and they've got a rent to pay and they've signed their paperwork for their LLC, they're still looking through the lens of the customer, someone who had a life-changing experience mm-hmm. with CrossFit. They're really romantic still about the, the, the community and the relationships and all that stuff. And I'm telling you, man, that shit's magic. I mean, I've got best friends that I've made through my gym. I've been to weddings. I've been, you know, I've met my wife at my gym. Like I understand. Yeah, I did. I mean, like I, and that's the other thing. Like people like, don't fuck your clients. I'm like, I don't know, dude, I married mine. So you can, (laughs) you can piss off with that, uh, with that stuff. I mean, it's obviously a right and wrong way to do it, but I mean, um, anyway, it's, I understand the emotional attachment to creating relationships and not wanting to be in this for greed. And again, like, dude, look at like the, look at what we live in. Like, you know, with the whole, the bubble in 08 and the Enrons and all the scumbags and fucking Wall Street. Like, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of corporate greed. So I think like CrossFit looks at itself as like, or like CrossFit gym owners look at themselves as the antithesis of that whole thing. But at the end of the day, I promise you right now, they're calling me, they're calling Coop, they're calling Mad Lab, they're calling Tyre Net, they're calling somebody to help them because we all realize, holy fuck, I've actually got to make this boat float. Well, this thing is going to float on hopes and dreams and hugs and rainbows. No, and the other thing too is I feel like gym, I think gym members, even though they want a service for themselves, I think that they want to know that the gym that they're going to is doing well. Oh, 100%. I, I think genuinely they, they want to know the owner of this gym who is giving me a service, the, the coaches in this gym who are giving me this service are being, are being taken care of financially because they deserve yeah. it. I, I honestly yeah. think gym members want that. Yeah. Again, gym members want to know that they're going to an actual business, right. not just a gym. A g- anyone can start a gym. It requires some rubber mats and some equipment. You can right. do it in your garage or you can rent space to do it. But only a business, it's different. Well, and follow up to that um, is – you talk a lot about one-on-one training in the gym, right? And that, and yes. that's, that's where for me, like I enjoy selling one-on-one training more than I even enjoy doing it. I just, I sure. just, I, I, I love getting somebody to finally realize, yes, I need to do this. It, yes. I don't know why I like it, but I, it's, it's, it's your global gym background. You have a sales background. I it, guess is so. our, it is our, that's what it is. And that's honestly, if I could create a fucking boot camp sales training program for gym owners and bring, take them all to global, like literally that's their best bet but that's that's exactly why you're more comfortable with it well so whatever it is right whatever my reason is a lot of coaches especially in crossfit gyms are not because it's like well the community is the thing it's all about the community it's all about the class and i'm with it i'm all about the community for us the biggest most important thing in our gym is that we look at the health of our gym not necessarily the financial health of the gym but the health of the gym on how long people stay after class when they're done Sure. Right? Like, yeah. Are people sticking around? Are they, would they rather be there than somewhere else? Are they socializing with their friends? Is it their third place? Yes. Everyone has home, work, and then the third place. Correct. Is it? I got you. Yeah. yeah. So, so for us, that's that's a that's a eyeball metric that we like to use. But now the the coaches have a hard time saying, "Hey, you probably would benefit from some one on one work with me, and it costs this, and we should do it." Yeah. 
It's tough. And here, so I, I, and I understand it, but I have empathy towards it. Cause I know coaches are not salesmen. Like my mm-hmm. coaches that I have, if they were true salesmen, true fucking entrepreneurs, true blooded, you know, I can, you know, you have to have a lot of ego to be a salesman. Number one, you've got to have ego and you've got to have bravado and you've got to have a personality in that realm. And a lot of coaches just don't have that. They, if they wanted to do sales, they would have gone to Globo gym. They would open up their own shop or start doing their own personal training. They don't, they love coaching They're, They like technician work. I put that back on the gym owner. It's the gym owner responsibility to sell the PT. And I've talked about this, like creating content the way everybody knows who or what, you know, anyone who knows what, what the fuck gym talk is. The only way you know it is because you saw a piece of my content and I take, put a lot of time and effort and I've got videographers on staff and I do my thing and we have editors and produce like to make sure content is constantly coming out. But without that content, there would be no, what the fuck gym talk. I wouldn't have this second career. And it'd be nothing just like a gym owner is never going to sell PT by just going up and be like, Hey, I know you kind of suck at your rope climbs. Do you want to work on it? Like if you're really good at sales, like you and me could probably do that on a one-on-one, like talk to someone on the floor, tell Sally, Hey, listen, you're killing it in class. Like I'm so proud of the results you made. I know this rope climb workout really frustrated you because you have not been able to get that rap yet. And honestly, I mean, it is a group setting. I, as much time as I want to just spend with just with you to get this, I can't take it away from the other ones, other people. So here's the deal. This, there's another rope climb workout next Thursday. How about Wednesday we get together and know your normal time is 6.30. How about you come in at six and we do a 30 minute skill session on getting that wrap. I'm gonna videotape it. I'm gonna be sending you away with some skills and drills to work on it. And I'll be damned if you don't walk out of that session with that wrap. What are you doing next Thursday? Cool, sign up. Go talk to the girl at the front desk and let's go. So we just put it on your account. It's $40 for 30 minutes. Like you make the, you don't sell the, you don't sell the mattress. You sell the sleep. You don't sell the session. You sell the rope climb. You don't sell the private coaching. You sell the PR, like whatever it is you want to say, that's what you got to sell. But the thing you is, it's, it's not even selling. It's servicing. Yeah. That, that's how well, I look at it. Right. Yeah, and and that's yeah, sure. for me. That's why I think it's easier for me is it's, I don't feel bad about going over to Sally and saying, hey, you really want to get that rope climb. I need a session with you one-on-one, however, yeah. however you're going to dress it up. Because I don't look at it as, well, can Sally afford it? Am I just doing this because I want to make more money? No, Correct. I'm doing it because fucking Sally said that she didn't get a rope climb today and I wanted yeah. to get one. But 100%. I can't do it for free. A hundred percent. But again, I put this, I do believe, especially now with what we have with social media and in the palm of our hand all day, the phone, social proof is so easy to get now. So for example, again, we talked about your coaches, your coaches, if they were good salesmen, you'd be crushing 30 minute skill sessions and PTs all day when they're not, which is for most gym owners, you need to invest the time and energy into making content that is internal marketing based for your membership. And maybe that involves giving it away in the beginning. Maybe it's finding the the three or five best Sally's in your gym and doing 30 minute skill sessions with them, videotaping them, creating some content or short and long video form, blog form, and putting it out there. So you're like most, most gym owners, their membership doesn't even know that they offer personal training. It's not like a culture that they have. I also, I mean, obviously I think you need to be doing on the Genesis. Like people should be starting their journey with you in a one-on-one setting. Mm -hmm. There's nobody walking in. I don't care how good they are, how fit they are, they couldn't benefit from some kind of one-on-one. I think that's the ideal scenario. Um, it obviously doesn't always play out that way, but go ahead. Look, I, I had, you saw me take a deep breath there. Yeah. I, I have, um, I had a, co- one of the things I teach to my coaches is, you know, people, when you're doing one-on-one training, the best way to, to sell it, if you're not a salesperson 
is to do it really well and to be really obvious when you're doing it. Correct. So, so, so what we've done is we say, okay, when you're coaching, you're wearing a Navy t-shirt. When yep. you're doing one-on-one training, you're wearing a red t-shirt. And on the back, it says one-on-one coach. Or it's, a, it's, a, it's just along the lines of, of, of that on the back of it. I can't yeah. remember exactly what it says. But now you should have a clipboard with you. Yeah. Right. Because if you have a clipboard with you, you immediately set yourself apart from anybody else in the room because no one else has a clipboard. Yeah. Well, what's that person doing with a clipboard with another yep. person wearing a red shirt that says, yep. oh, I'm one on one training. Yeah. So so it's it's the it's like when I was at Equinox, they put the all of the cardio equipment faced the weight room. And that was not an accident because they no, told coaches, you, we want you on the weights. Yep. You call we called it the PT vantage point. You always put the cardiovascular in the global gym again, mm-hmm. facing where the most, the, all the most of one-on-one training would happen, right? The training floor. Cause again, those women just standing on there on the treadmill, they're just sitting there thinking this fucking sucks. Oh my God, look at that. I wish I had someone to teach me. I wonder how much it costs. Well, maybe I might say something to them. You know, again, yep. you get it. Right, um, but, but so t- today I, I bring patients into the gym all the time because part of what mm-hmm. we do is say, well, I'm done. You're not, you don't need adjustments. You don't need soft tissue work. You need to get stronger. That's part of what's wrong. So I take them into the gym and figure out where they need to get stronger. And someone walked up to one of my coaches today and said to her, Hey, who is the guy who looks like he's really important in there with the, with that person? And she came over and told me that. And she's like, isn't that funny? I'm like, no, that should be a lesson to you. Like what I'm wearing very similar apparel to what you're wearing. I'm in the same room that you're in doing something very similar to something that you do every day. Yep. But nobody ever notices, hey, who's the important girl over there? And it's yep. not because you're a girl and it's not because of what you're wearing. It's because I had a clipboard and when other people came over to talk to me, it was, I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of something right now. I can't give you my attention. And that was yep. really the only major difference between what I do and what they do in that room in that time. Yeah. I, when you're doing one-on-one, and I, and I, so when I'm coaching someone on how to do an internal marketing campaign for their PT, right, to develop that culture, I tell them obviously try to, we want to do it when the gym's full. We want people to see, and especially when you're the head coach, like you're the owner, like everyone's in love with you. You're the mayor of the gym. Typically. People like my head coach more than they like me. That's for sure. <laughs> so whoever the mayor of the gym is, whoever's the most popular staff member, get that person to do the session. And people are like, well, why is, you know, why is John spending time with Sally over there? Oh, she's doing some, she's doing a 30 minute skill session. Well, what's that? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, like again, and they will watch and they will see. And literally it's it, like, it's, it's not, you know, it's not hidden from anyone when, you know, John's over or Sally's over there with trainer John and Sally in the beginning can't do a fucking blank. And at the end of the session, she's doing blank. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. And again, you have to document it because it needs to live on a feed. It needs to live in newsletters. It needs to live in advertising. People need to see it over and over and over again. The story has to get told really, really well. I think that's one of the biggest areas you'll start seeing. You'll start seeing gyms realize they have to be content companies, multimedia companies, they're going to have to be producing more footage, more audio, more visual on a regular basis. And they are going to have to come with some cohesiveness with their brand. You just can't, you know, a lot, we all, a lot of us all like everyone is doing social media in the gym for the most part. We're slapping our wads up on the fucking right, Facebook. But, but, but social media and, and intentional social media, two very different things. If you're, 100%. if you're just throwing up, look at the workout from today, then you're every 100%. other gym that has people doing a workout. Yeah. Like your Instagrams. I love especially when they're content related. Like you're, it's, you know, you've have a, you have a phrase or a statement with your branded colors and you're mm-hmm. you use the same font, you use the same structure, you know, whatever using Canva, whatever you're using to make that. And you're, creating really, you know, 
recognizable content. When I see that color with the black and background and that blue and all, I know you've made it. Like I right. just see it. Just I know it's yours because it's branded really well. Um, gyms, they're very haphazardly, like you said, doing social media. And again, I think people think posting the workout of the day to your Facebook page is, so, is doing social media. That's not social media. In fact, no. don't ever post the fucking workout of the day to your Facebook page. Your Facebook page isn't for your members. It's for your prospects. Your website isn't for your members. It's for your prospects. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we, we did a, we did when we converted over from CrossFit South and their movement, I redid the website. My, I didn't redo it. My web guy did. And I had a member come up and be like, man, I saw the new website, man. I just, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. I didn't like this, that, or the other thing. And I'm like, so you don't like the website, huh? He's like, no, nah. I don't like good. It's not fucking for you. You have no reason to ever go there. You're already a member. You don't need, you don't, you don't log in through there. You have a separate app. Like you have no reason to ever go to that website. <laughs> I'm really glad you don't like it. Like, cause you're not who I'm trying to get to go to that website. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, the social media, I think the game, we're going to see people step up. People are getting more comfortable on video and stuff. And, you know, in the beginning, you saw guys do just like, hey, this is John from CrossFit ABC. And I'm going to show you guys today how to do a squat. That is not captivating marketing. It's just, it, it's not like now there's, it depends who you're going towards, but Sally doesn't want to know how to do the squat. Sally wants to know why your CrossFit gym costs so much. What is so special about it? I've heard this about CrossFit. Tell me something to combat that. I've heard something negative. Tell me a story to combat that. You know, and that's where I'm really big on showing inclusive fitness, showing the perfect, the bright avatar of clients, and then showing the community, but not the rah, 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 cheer people on after the workout, the more coaches working with you, the hands-on, the instruction, the thing that justifies the price point kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the social media game, we are getting better at collectively. I mean, it's still shitty by and large. It's one of the biggest issues I have when I'm, you know, auditing a gym member's social media presence or a gym owner's social media presence. But it, it is, it's slowly getting better. And everyone, and again, it's going to be easy because you're going to see other gyms do it and just be able to replicate it. You'll just be able to copy it because good artists borrow and great artists steal, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I get it. Um, listen, I could, I could talk to you for hours. And I, and, and I would love to, I just don't want to, I, I want to respect your time. Um, but I want to, I want to acknowledge you personally, because yeah. I think that, I think that the work that you're doing is so important because I think that there, there are, there are gym owners out there who really got into it for, for the right reason in terms yeah. of they want to help people and they enjoy it. Right. Yeah. It, I almost feel like we're past the age of, I like working out. Let me buy a gym. I yeah. think we're kind of past that. Um, and I think that most of the people now who own gyms actually want to help people. I agree. But I think that a lot of them need someone to help them do that. I, I and, agree. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I, so I want to acknowledge that you're, Thank you're you. doing it I and you're not, that. but you're not just, you're not just doing it by saying, oh, well, let's pursue the best version of you. You can be, it's like, no, you need to fucking do this. And if you're not yeah. willing to, then you're not, you're not willing to do what you need to do to own your business. Yeah. So I, I think never- that's. Thank you. I've never been much of a bullshitter that, you know, my content is a little bit more aggressive and stuff than, and than a lot of the other guys in this space that I, that I look up to that, uh, that are doing this as well. And, um, but I feel that message is needed. Sometimes I honestly, I feel CrossFitters respond to it a little bit better. I think, you know, uh, advice with a couple F bombs actually gets through the CrossFitters a little and CrossFit gym owners, sometimes a little bit more efficiently than not. But I wonder, um, I wonder if you took a geographical map of people who follow you or people who like you and people who dislike you. And if you can find a little belt. See, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, I think be a lot of Northerners. I think it's my Cleveland side, my Cleveland roots coming out sometimes it, it talking be. fast, swearing, but, be. uh, Awesome, well, yeah. man. Well, I, I really, fun. I enjoyed this and I would love to talk to you more, but, uh, absolutely. Thank you. Maybe we'll have you on again. 
Hey, most definitely, brother. Have a great weekend and we'll talk soon. You too. Awesome. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Active Life podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating so that we can grow and reach and help more people. If you're looking for more from me and my team, head to performancecarerx.com. All the help you're looking for is right there. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, and the process is the goal.